Welcome to NeuroNoodle's Neurofeedback and Neuropsychology Podcast, featuring tech legend Jake Gunkelman. He's the man who has read well over half a million brain scans, and Dr. Marie Swingle, author of iMinds. Our goal is to provide information and promote options for better mental health. The NeuroNoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. Hey, Pete. You can ignore my email. I found the right link. <laughs> uh, you know, I jumped to where I store them, and I just uh, the one I saw was uh, not the current one. So. Well, we got so many. Yeah, I jumped in. It said December fourteenth. I thought mm, I, I will wait. I will wait at this meeting until doomsday. You know, but <laughs> I don't think I don't think even neurofeedback can make us go back seven days. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we 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 can speed up and slow down the EG somehow, but not by days. <laughs> we have to work on our capes. Oh, uh, but you know, time time itself is actually kind of a bit of an illusion. Um, uh, the uh, are are you aware of the presentiment experiments? No, I'm not. Tell me, Jay. Okay, a, a, a presentiment is a, a feeling you have ahead of an event, and the experiment goes like this: There's a five-second period during which they measure a physiological measurement. Could be pupil diameter, could be electrodermal activity, could be heart rate, uh, could all sorts of different kinds of measurements have been used for this, and. At the end of the five seconds, a random number generator picks a picture from a selection of pictures, and so the picture isn't selected during your five seconds that they're measuring, but they measure your emotional response to a picture that hasn't been selected, and the emotional response is appropriate because the pictures are either extremely emotionally evocative. Or just neutral picture of a chair, picture of a tree, you know that routine stuff. Or Trump, bloody, gory uh, stuff. I mean, uh, just you know, but the, the, it's a standard picture set that's either extreme or bland, and people have emotional responses to the pictures that haven't even been selected by a random number generator yet. And this has been replicated hundreds and hundreds of times. Um, uh, the Noetic Science Institute, uh, uh, Dean Radin, uh, does these uh, kinds of things. Uh, <laughs> uh, as, as he says, real magic. <laughs> uh, 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 the, he, he, I think he has a book by that title, uh, uh, but he's, he's quite a character. Um, um, but the, those experiments basically show that the, 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 you know, you think, oh God, how can this happen? But the illusion then is, is time is linear and, and it's not the, the, uh, immediate future is affecting us and the, our, our past influences us. Um, uh, it, you know, I, I, I talk to people in Australia it's tomorrow in Australia, right. you know. Right. So, what am I time traveling? You know, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it, it, it's very 
very strange in that way. And, and and then when you start to talk to physicists about somebody in a spaceship being launched and traveling around yeah. and years later coming back and they're they're identical twin and they're different physiologic ages because you don't age in the same way. Anyway, that uh, time is a bizarre nonlinear uh, uh, phenomenon. Just ask Einstein. <laughs> well, we'll have him on, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, everything. Well, we, we already did a show talking about his brain. At least he could do is have him here to to, uh, to, to refute the uh, discussion, you know. Well, if, it, if it's all about frequencies, you know, if a, if a train's going by at 50 miles an hour and another one's going at 50, and you're... <laughs> Those it, were great math relative. questions, weren't they? So. Oh, Dr. Marie, you just walked in on some uh, Einstein conversations. Oh, uh, it wasn't, oh. wasn't an Einstein conversation, really. I, um, yeah, no, I, I had in the show... This is irony. I, <laughs> I, I I commented at that time, you know, the illusion was time, and and time wasn't really linear, and uh, uh, pointed to the presentiment experiments as an example of uh, time not being linear, and that the immediate future is affecting the current state of now, uh, and the, the, the those experiments are uh, physiological experiments, uh, but they're really quite striking, and uh, people that have the hard you know, reality is a hard, well-known reality, you know, uh, really put us off by the experiment uh, because people have a physiological response that's appropriate to a picture that's not been selected yet. Uh, and they, they measure your uh, pupil diameter or your blood pressure or your heart rate or your electrodermal. Lots of different kinds of things have been measured. And, and then during that five seconds, they, they look at your emotional response, basically. Then a random number generator picks the picture, and it's either extremely emotionally evocative or it's a neutral picture. And uh, the, it's extremely well replicated. Uh, Dean Radin uh, at the Noetic Science uh, Institute here uh, in California is, is well known for these experiments. And... Uh, uh, I just express that there's a lot in this world that I don't understand. It doesn't mean it's not real. And sometimes yeah. it doesn't mean it's real either. So yeah, yeah just fascinating work though. Fascinating work. But if you're a narcissist, yeah. does time stand still? Is it? <laughs> yeah. well, what a topic you picked today, Pete. This is a good one. Well, I this said we would talk about it last week, and you know, yeah. here we are, and then yeah. sure enough, I go look, and there's in the news, you know, holidays and narcissists, and yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think um it, it, no, there's a positive and a negative to all of this. The term gaslighting and narcissistic, it, it, it's kind of like ADHD was a few years back, everybody, all of a sudden, their partner or their parent or whatever um, is gaslighting them or is a narcissist. But I think it's really positive that we're bringing attention to this really, not not just um, heartwhelming, uh, but potentially dangerous personalities when they're in, uh, shall we say, public office or any position of power. Um, and you know, how you define power is power your spouse, is power your parent, is power your boss. Um, so to uh, work with these individuals. Whoops, where did I go? 
What what is gaslighting? Everybody uses the term, but I'm not sure everybody understands what it means. One thing to one person and another thing to another one. It's not good, is it? Definitely not good. It's essentially when you you have you you manipulate your actions or your words to have somebody believe something uh, that isn't happening or isn't true. Um, and in its extreme form, you can make somebody feel that they're crazy, um, whether it's moving uh, a glass of water around or keys around or manipulating experiences. But in its true form, it is, you know, psychological destructive manipulation at its core. Yeah. yeah. Like, so like Pete, and, and the, ter the term gaslight is if you've ever seen the flickery uh, uh, gas, old fashioned gas lights. It gives you kind of a surreal uh, um, uh, look to your environment, and that that thus the term gaslight for the for the experience. It's mm -hmm. um, it's you know it's not real; it's surreal. You know? mm -hmm. I still don't get it. Does that mean like, hey, Pete, you're a great podcast host? Uh, <laughs> if only you talked better. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll go. Is in that gaslighting? And... Like, give me an example. Um, let, let's just say in a uh, spousal relationship, um, somebody starts to question their, they're having trouble finding their, their, their glasses all the time. Um, and they, they think that they're, you know, they're starting to be forgetful. Um, but the, the spouse is, is moving the glasses. Um, same type of thing that somebody goes out and, and buys, um, oranges and pears and apples and then all of a sudden there are no apples in the house um and the spouse says oh i swore i bought a, a apples and the partner actually took the apples and, and said no you didn't okay so essentially playing with somebody as if they have dementia <laughs> um but it can also be in terms of things that were said or done uh characteristics of personality um but yeah essentially altering uh, somebody's reality or truth with intent um, to destabilize them. Yeah, Jay, do you have more to add? Or, or it, you, you can uh, describe to somebody events that, in mm -hmm. a way, that they didn't happen, basically, yeah. and yeah. and 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 try to suggest that, oh well, uh, you can't believe your damn eyes. Yeah. You know the uh, the you know this is how it happened. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and try to convince you that what you actually saw happen, uh, the reality of it wasn't real. And, and thus the gaslighting gives you a false reality. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, uh, uh, some people would refer to that as spin. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a spin doctor can look at a, a terrible loss and create it as a, as a win of some sort, you know, and uh, politician. Yeah, well, uh, politicians and spin doctors uh, seem to travel in the same circle somehow. So, yeah, uh, to a certain uh, extent, certain news programs, but even you know, two teenagers uh, uh, gossiping and just altering uh, little details so that the event doesn't resemble anything that actually occurred. Yeah, but you know, where what's the fine line uh, between you know, just human behavior where we embellish or underbellish, new word there, um, versus, but for me, it's where, when there's intent. 
There, there's intent to have somebody perceive reality in a different way, not necessarily only for your benefit, but against them. And I think that's yeah. that's a key um, component yeah. there. And it ties into narcissism because a narcissist who wants to be the center of everything is going to twist reality to make themselves the center of everything. Mm -hmm. And they'll create whatever chaos is needed in order to, to create that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, one of the things, you know, as we go deeper and deeper, I think it's really important to recognize that all of us have a few of these characteristics. And just what I was talking about gaslighting, like putting a different spin on a story, that doesn't mean you're an evil person. That means you're human and you want to tell an interesting story. Um, the same type of thing, you know, what, what, where are the fine lines uh, between a, a true narcissist um, and somebody who's, who's just interested in self. Well, to me, there are no fine lines. There, there are huge differences. And I think yeah. in the public eye, we have to be a bit careful that this term is getting a little too popular. So um, I'd love to talk uh, today about like what a true blue evil, <laughs> malvolent, Machiavellian uh, narcissist is and is what, not. What is going on in their heads that somebody would want to gaslight somebody? Because I, from where where I sit and what I've heard, you know, on, on social media is it's like parents or kids accuse their parents of, of doing that. Why would a parent or anybody want to do that to somebody else? Like what's going on? upstairs is it a control thing what what what's wrong up there or what's dysregulated if you're somebody who has a company and you make statements about your company uh in order to influence people's opinion of the company maybe influencing the stock price for instance um the sec doesn't look kindly on that sort of thing um, and, and you can get in trouble for, um, you know, falsely uh, making false statements, basically, to influence the price of your stock or the, 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 uh, uh, the, the company that's considering merging or purchasing or something like that. So, you, you, you know, the, there are people that use gaslighting uh, to, to influence uh, people's opinion all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and how you frame something uh, ends up being uh, crucial. You know, um, one of the links you sent was uh, uh, referring to Elon Musk's uh, uh, stuff. And he, he says it's full self-driving autopilot. And, you know, then there's all the subtext and well you have to keep your hands on the wheelie better ready, ready to take over any time and everything but that you know they were just what was it a, a few million cars recalled where they basically have to get rid of that technology unless you're actually on a freeway because it just doesn't work there are people getting killed uh, um uh, uh, people running into uh, vehicles blowing through stoplights and uh, and it was well documented. So, you know, they, they couldn't gaslight their way out by saying it was the driver's fault or something. They, they've got solid evidence, you know, the car driving 80 miles an hour through a T intersection, <laughs> intersection zoop to the, you know, there's no road there at all. It didn't slow down, you know, 
th th those kinds of fatal accidents end, end up happening uh, with that kind of technology because it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a beta test. Uh, and the, the driver had to sign, yeah, it's a beta test. I agree. I'm, I'm testing this stuff. But what about the driver next to him or the pedestrian in front of him? They didn't sign up for any freaking beta test, you know. Um, yeah, this this is um, uh, and that there was a reason for that recall. It it just doesn't work. You if you're in a street with pedestrians, it doesn't necessarily spot them the way you really should, and um, it doesn't see emergency vehicles in the way it really should. And um, yeah, on a on a road, it seems to work reasonably well. And um, but there's lots of uh, lots of vehicles that can do that, uh, but it was it, it was promoted uh, in an excessive kind of a gaslighting of the reality of it being a beta test, and it was it you know it it was shinier and brighter than it really was. Um, it was kind of a, 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 a something that still had to be developed further, and uh, was released. Uh, as though it was the final product, uh, uh, much to the dismay of uh, a lot of people that have had, you know, very bad accidents. Yeah. Uh, disclosure here um, that I was not able to read the article up yeah. in Canada, um, but uh, you know I'm familiar enough with it. A few months back, you know, uh, certain vehicles were yeah. were banned on the roads. You just couldn't use them in the cities. Certain features in the city. So this has kind of been going on internationally. Um, it's really, really easy to 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 point the finger at Elon Musk, but this, I mean, this is a characteristic of of, of business, um, and I think it's exaggerated now. Um, uh, I I would say in AI, uh, you know, if we want to loop back to what we were talking about, the lot of the ah my I one of these days it's all part of the show. It's like Jay's yeah. dog. Yeah. Um, no, Backing not just dog, me going in and out. Um, no, but uh, it's just a a feature of the corruption in 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 business. And what I was saying in terms of a lot of the things in terms of artificial intelligence and chatbots, on it's just not ready. Um, and it's we we can loop this into everything you know nefarious business principles putting things out when they haven't been properly tested whether they're chemical compounds in makeup or or in milk um so but they're just you know higher principles you know a quick death of a pedestrian versus a slow death of a baby you know when when a milk product is uh uh is uh, slowly poisoned yep. but it's the intent, um, I, I, I would say, again, yeah, what, where, where's the fine line between um, uh, it, trying to protect a product and this being a baseline uh, personality characteristic? How did, how did teenagers get into this narcissism to brand somebody with it or putting mm -hmm. a label on somebody? Is it just another way of a type of... <laughs> I'd say every brain. teenager is a narcissist. I, I think this is a <laughs> developmental phase, right? The world revolves around me for around 3.5 <laughs> years. Um, no, joke society. You, you also mentioned parents, right? Um, you know, with this whole big trend of child-centered parenting, if you have any authority or um, you know, try and actually parent a child these days, oh, uh, nope. 
we'll, we'll give space for the party. <laughs> uh, my my co-host here uh, uh, yeah. uh, popped in, in for a visit. He's a narcissist. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but there's there's quite a uh, when I was talking about before there there are no fine lines here. Uh, you either are or you are not. Uh, a parent um, parenting, um, having boundaries for their children, um, not giving everything to their children, uh, taking care of self. Um, that has nothing to do with parenting. We can talk about strict parents, less strict parents, authoritarian parents, um, things like that. But that has nothing to do with narcissism. A true narcissistic parent is destructive on the child. The child um, grows up feeling very, very destabilized that they don't have a place in the world and can also develop traits themselves. Yeah. So. But what does it mean? Like when a, a teenager says, well, he's a nar I know all teenagers are narcissists, but in their little groups, there, they're pointing the finger at somebody. That's the brand that you don't want to be. Do they even know what they're calling somebody? If they do, what is it? I don't think they are. I think this is a term being thrown around. Right. Uh, a narcissist not only, you know, a narcissist takes something away when they ask something of you. Right. Uh, maybe, maybe that's something you can throw in the definition. You know, it's not taking the biggest portion of food. It's ensuring that they eat your food and you're starving a little bit. Right. Um, it, it's truly about not just the world revolving around them, but that you don't matter in that world um, and manipulating in you, you in such a way that your self-worth and your self-value goes down to elevate them. Uh, can you fix that? How many sessions will it take? <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, this You're is like, a little what's, what's going on up there? Yeah. What, yeah. Well, I don't know about you, Jay, but, you know, I, I tend to see the um, the exes of, of narcissists more than the narcissist themselves. No pun intended. The narcissist doesn't think they need therapy. Um, so in, uh, you know, the narcissist, the world is going beautifully for the narcissist, um, for a narcissist, uh, you know, to give up that control, that power, there's no self-interest whatsoever in the narcissist themselves seeking help, unless yeah. they want something. So, for example, if there's a divorce situation and privileges of seeing children uh, or privileges of manipulating <laughs> manipulating children are being lost <laughs> under those circumstances. But I think a lot of this goes back to early childhood. Um, the articles, I think Ashley did a really, really uh, good job of parsing. It's the, it's the perfect um, elevation of the individuals on, uh, I'm not going to say on straw, but giving great value uh, to the su superficial um, and taking away value of the, of the individual. Um, so praising the way somebody uh, presents themselves to the outside world. So um, how they dress, for example, or how much um, money they uh, allude to have, uh, but then devaluating how they speak or um, uh, not being given all this external praise, but no praise for their personality or how they um, care for how they feel those type of things mm -hmm. and, and you're right about it being uh early 
life onset. Uh, yeah. Alan Shore's work is quite dated, but uh, um, it, it uh, goes back to the development face-to-face uh, -face of the infant uh, with the parent and the feedback that they get face-to-face, -face, developing the, the, the neurochemistry of the brain and the networks in the brain. Mm -hmm. And without proper parenting, you can end up having a personality disorder. Yeah. And that's so deep and so buried underneath all sorts of layers of, you know, cortical overlay that it's foundational. And it's yeah. very difficult to get that deep. Uh, uh, Dirk DeRitter basically suggested that personality disorders are virtually impossible to touch. Yeah. And yeah, he's, he's a neurosurgeon. He could go in after it, you know, um, but, but it's, it, it's, uh, it's not, um, it's not an easy uh, thing to deal with. Very much like early childhood trauma uh, is very, very difficult to get down deep to actually you know, fix it. Um, it. It's as difficult as that. And that's almost impossible. I, if you, you know you uh, look at the people that are working out developmental trauma, it's, it's extraordinarily difficult to end up uh, therapeutically with that. Is it yeah. a DSM-5? Is it, is it in there? I mean, is it in there? I mean, can you get Narcissistic personality disorder? I mean, it's all in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah but, it's all in there. But, you know, it's all behavioral mm -hmm. uh, definitions. And uh, the, the DSM-5 needs to be burned at the stake. I would light the match, you know? I would pour the gas. Um, I, that's what I'm saying. It's like, okay, insurance <laughs> will pay for it, but what, what are they paying for? Is it talk yeah. therapy? Is there anything else you can do for it? Like, what do you, how do you, Train it, treat it, whatever the word is. I don't, I mean, we don't want to be defeatist here, but I'm very much with Jay. I'll go back, you know, when you were talking about Alan Shore, I wanted to break into song. Yes, but you know that old song, nobody does it better. <laughs> yeah. You know, please go back. I say, you know, uh, Shore, Ainsworth, or a couple of early developmental psychologists. I mean, people have rewritten uh, what they've done, but they, their their fundamental work is still um, the, the go-tos. Um yeah, but, you know, what are the difference between uh, estates and traits, um, the, you know, the attachment wiring, we're going back to what we were talking about last week in terms of how important it is to instill in a newborn to toddler, the notion of belonging and safety. And if you do not install the notion of safety, that is the beginning of the, uh, the narcissist, you know, in terms of external performance value um, and nothing, nothing nurtured on the inside in terms of the development of the, of the person. What can you do about it? Yeah, well, develop um, a manipulative style basically yeah. from, from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but some of the things, um, you know, we all talk about liabilities you know, we're, we're all walking around with uh, inherent uh, genetic liabilities in terms of our, our EEG. And what does it take to express that? Some of the things, I mean, for our, our, our newbies in neurotherapy, you want to be really, really careful. So I'm going to do one of those, do not do this at home. Um, but I mean, or if you do, like, make sure you're supervised by somebody who knows what they're doing. 
Um, but sometimes even though you don't have a deregulation marker in the frontal lobes, you can do a little work in there. Okay, uh, Jay was talking about the anterior cingulate, you know, as well, some of the real rigidity markers, you can soften uh, that up uh, a little. Um, you know, some of the things that are associated with agitation, so theta SMR, uh, too much beta in the back of the brain. So all, all of these are things that can, <clears throat> excuse me, potentially quiet a person. Um, and I think those things can be helpful in terms of taking the edge off of some of the characteristics. Uh, but when you're doing dealing uh, with like a true blue, full-blown narcissist, um, they're in a universe of their own. Um, and unless there's some extreme consequence, extreme consequence. I, I think um, Pete's point earlier is something that will influence how many of them you see clinically. Mm -hmm. They don't tend to think there's anything really wrong with them. Yeah, yeah. Why would I go for therapy if I am not only okay, but I am the way everyone should be. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. This is yeah. the end all and be all, you know, the narcissist. Yeah. So uh, uh, they're, they're not going to walk in for therapy. Now, we'll bring they their may, family they, in though. Yeah, and they the may family. come in, they may come in for peak performance work. And that's the one uh, uh, area where you may end up seeing them come in. But don't expect them to come into a clinical practice as much as a a performance practice you know um anyway the, the uh <laughs> isn't that the same thing when uh let's say somebody's got a drinking problem they don't think they have a drinking problem then they bring all the family and friends together in an intervention and say yeah you do that wouldn't work with a narcissist well the narcissist has has an element of control Right um, now, narcissism and alcoholism, there's a nice pairing um, and it does exist. Uh, but uh, yeah, what, what the, the narcissist only has something to lose by going into therapy. Um, you know, when individuals do an intervention on an alcoholic, um, if the alcoholic does not perceive that they have anything to lose, indeed, then the intervention won't work. But narcissists don't feel they have anything to lose and if they're aware of it they're going to do everything to position themselves so that it will not be lost so they'll flip it uh as the cause being the other individual so now, if you're I, a narcissistic I, addict you're screwed no that you're fine it's everybody around you the therapist needs to be mm. uh, uh somewhat protected if they're not experienced um uh, the uh, the relationship with a narcissist can be such that the therapist is the the one who's going to be gaslighted, uh, and 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 you you've you've got to recognize that uh, relationship uh, as a as a problematic one, and yeah. and if you're not grounded yourself and backed up with your own people working with you and, and as a therapist you usually have a therapist mm -hmm. you know so uh, you, it, it uh you know the, it's a dangerous person walking in the door now they're not necessarily the same kind of danger as uh, the, the school shooters and things such as that but we've got um 
uh, psychiatric uh, uh, danger in, in some yeah. individuals. They can also weaponize your knowledge, okay? Uh, I'm going to loop in uh, a sociopath, okay? Because, you know, sociopaths and narcissists uh, cross over. But if you get a really good sociopath who's coming in for your assistance, so, for example, uh, in uh, um, an individual in couples therapy uh, or an individual who wants, you know, to help improve relationships in their life, um, they, your knowledge can be weaponized against other people uh, because you will not see um, that the, the, the sociopathic uh, characteristics. One of the things we haven't talked about is most narcissists um, and sociopaths, when you first meet them, they, they're magnets. They're charming, delightful, um, very, very poised uh, people. Um, and and most individuals are very very attracted to them. Okay, I'm not I'm not just talking in a romantic way. They 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 they, they draw people uh, to them. And by the time an individual usually realizes something else is wrong, um, you know, there's there's no real uh, route. Uh, to solve it because of that personality that there are 10 other people who thinks that that person's light is still so beautiful and bright. So, uh, you know, once you're in the orbit, uh, a close orbit of an individual like this, you really have to take care of yourself. <laughs> the, the ability to, uh, to, to actually identify uh, this and, and, and the, um, the, uh, the narcissist or the sociopath or the psychopath end up reading people well. Yeah. Yeah. And if in your late first year or second year of development, you end up having some attachment issues where you have shame or guilt developed, which are left hemispheric emotion, not right frontal temporal emotion. Uh, read that up in Shore's work very nicely. Uh, they'll, they'll spot that. And they'll they'll manipulate you with with your you know weaknesses, mm -hmm. um, and, and you know some people are easily led around by the you know their psychiatric difficulties. Um, so that uh, they they have an entire entourage of, uh, of folks that they've got kind of under their yeah. uh, psychological spell. But another very interesting point, and again, I really, the, the articles you sent out, Pete, got it on the head. I'm usually not a big fan of newspaper articles. They, people don't do their research, but these guys did. Um, most uh, narcissists and uh, sociopaths are not interested in simple, meager people. Okay, it's like a hunter um, that they want the biggest, best, shiniest prey okay because that's their accomplishment okay um so they want somebody who's intelligent they want somebody who's achieved they want somebody who's physically attractive okay because if you can manipulate and control and dominate that that is your gold star so these are the type of people that they collect and target um, not to be uh, insulting, but, you know, somebody who is not very intelligent, has not accomplished themselves in school, does not present well, has a very, very weak personality, you're, you're, you're very, very safe from, from a, a narcissist or, or sociopath. You're, you're, you're not big enough prey.
What's now, I'm not saying you won't meet a, uh, can we swear on the show, Pete? Go ahead, Google loves okay. it. I'm saying, okay, I'm not saying you you won't uh, you know get into a, a horrible relationship or an asshole won't find you attractive, but there's a big difference between an asshole and a narcissist and a sociopath. Again, they do cross over, but we're talking about a psychiatric condition, not just a mean person. Now, Jay and I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say pray, if you're going to pray on someone, there's uh. You want to put something on the wall. You want to mount something on the wall. What's the what's the trophy? Uh, the trophy tends to be, um, you know, a, a spouse, um, uh, a, yeah, other people in your entourage, whether it's at work. Um, also, I mean, most narcissists and sociopaths are pretty high achievers themselves, right? So they tend to be employers, not employees. They tend to be in higher management rather than on the floor. Um, so it, yeah, it's about dominating a, a work environment, whether it's a university or a large company, uh, definitely within the family. Sure, you conquer the spouse, but you conquer the children, you, you conquer the, the in-laws, Right. It's about really making yeah. yourself king or queen. And yeah, you know, we most of us assume we, we, we tend to talk a lot about male narcissists or, I mean, you know, for all the viewers now, who do you think we've been talking about? Have you been thinking we've been talking about only um, males? Uh, females are out there as well. Um, they tend to be much more recognized because we have we're still horribly generous that we um confuse strong powerful women um with um uh, I, I would say being narcissistic they're, they're not sometimes they're just nice strong powerful women who, who don't take bs hey i'm swearing today um <clears throat> but a true blue female sociopath watch out she's she's much worse with the males um because she has needed to be much more covert versus males i would say are much more overt and have been systematically socially rewarded for their behavior versus females are not overtly rewarded so they become covert and more dangerous man yeah the males behave kind of like crows uh, mm -hmm. They they gather shiny objects, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, a real base level, you know, uh, instinct there. Mm -hmm. So so you're talking about the workplace and just going on the corporate side. You, um, there's a difference between influence and authority. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it, authority only works when you're in the room influence stays in the room after you leave mm -hmm. so with a, with a nurse because what you want to do is you want to have an in hopefully it's a positive influence on somebody you know aspire for for greatness but if you're only aspiring because you're told to that's authority and once you leave the room it doesn't exist anymore we try to you know hopefully we can influence people versus force them to do something does that come into play with a narcissist or they don't care? It's still all about this. Well, are, are you saying there are influencers online that are narcissistic? <laughs> that are podcast hosts? <laughs> oh, oh. No, I think a, a key thing here is what's the underlying emotion that people leave, okay? 
um, you know, uh, authority uh, or influence, you know, the key word here is respect versus fear. Okay. Um, and a good narcissist or a good sociopath will groom. Okay. So that once they leave the room, you're left uh, destabilized to a certain extent that they still have quote unquote influence over you. Authority, it's only when you see um, the, the stick and the second mm -hmm. the stick is gone. Um, yeah. But I think two of the key manipulators are uh, fear and, and insecurity. You know, what if, what if? Um, and like the really, really good ones, I mean, they can be gazillions of miles away and you they're still in your head you know you're thinking about what would they think or how uh if i did this or if i did that right. so of all, the, all the stuff that we talk about now i'm kind of depressed this seems like to be the only thing that we can't quote unquote fix if you're a narcissist you're just screwed is that true <laughs> Uh, well, again, I think it's it's fantastic that we're talking about this. Um, and if people can start to recognize these personalities, and once they kind of feel the puppet strings becoming secure, run, just get out of that. So we, we can't help the narcissist, but we can help the people that are around the narcissist. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, you know, step one in any kind of a therapy is the person deciding that there's something that they want to have changed. Yeah. And if you're a narcissist and you think you're the archetypal best of everything, I mean, you're <laughs> why, why would you step up for change? You know? So again, I, you're not going to get them usually coming in for therapy because they don't feel they need therapy period. And it's not just the, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, uh, kind of subtle denial about anything being wrong that happens. Um, you know, you don't want to be the weak zebra in the herd because you're the prey at that point. Yeah. But but that there's a little bit of a difference uh, thinking you're the king of the jungle than just one of the zebras, you know. And so, it, it, you know, uh, you're, you're not going to get them coming in for, for therapy, but you may get them in intrigued with, peak performance or uh, per performance optimizing uh, that uh, the, and you know the uh, making brains work better may end up helping them but you've got to get them involved in wanting to have something changed and again it's probably not going to happen with them walking through the door of somebody with a shingle over top that says it's there a parent that's parent comes in with their kid and says they're a narcissist do something about it. What, what do you do? Well, how old is the kid? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, tell, you tell me. I, I don't know. It's a teenager. Well, you I mean, do, fa you do family therapy because yeah. if the parents bring in men saying they're a narcissist, you know, what do you do? But, believe well, them? Well, my mom's a gaslighter. So. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know, Judith Lubar, bless her heart. I mean, she's long since passed, but one of her major contributions to the field was to suggest if you've got a kid in therapy for ADD or depression or whatever it might be, you should probably look at the family as a piece of what needs to have therapy. Uh, the, you know, there are families that will need to keep somebody as the sick person in the family and they're going to re-entrain them back into being the, the, the ill person or something. You need to look at the family dynamics. And 
uh, her her call to uh, consider family therapy as not just working with the kid, but considering family therapy, I think was really well well founded. And yeah. and uh, um, again, she was one of the uh, the real uh, staunch uh, promoters of that as a mm-hmm. as something you just had to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm thousand percent behind that. Um, I often say the most important tool or piece of equipment in my office, it's it's not any computer system or electrode, it's actually a couch, uh, because I invite the, the, the family in <clears throat> frequently when working with the uh, the designated client and sticking those electrodes on. Uh, but, but looping back in terms of, you know, when you would uh, see a narcissist and under what conditions would they come in to a therapy office um, it's almost always uh, the spouse being dragged in um, or uh, again the, the the narcissist themselves coming in because they you become a part of their scheme so that's why I'm saying you can be weaponized uh, against the partner or against the the child so you want to be really really careful narcissists ain't for newbies um, the the other is in terms of you know some of the, I think we're t- talking about a, a Bowen here, but uh, enmeshment and differentiation. Um, these these are high within these families, and if you start doing I'm going to air quote good therapy, that narcissist and that sociopath is going to be very very upset with you. Um, and you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, they also tend to be very intelligent people. So the um, there's a running joke that every therapist is one personality disorder uh, client away from losing their license. Um, you know, same type of thing with these you yeah. know these highly manipulative people. Um, I think one of the key ones is if you're if you're doing a couples therapy or marital therapy, and one of the individuals is a narcissist. I think it's it's really your job at that point is just to hold up mirrors um, and just help people to see the personalities and the behaviors and reach their own conclusions. I was just um, thinking about that, Doc. It's you go to couples therapy and, you know, you're, you're headed for divorce and, you know, somebody says you're a narcissist. That's it. That's over. Yeah. Game over. There's you can't. I want to say 100 percent, but I mean. Mm-hmm. well that's not my job to do though you know yeah. again one of the it, it's kind of funny everybody i'm quite sure has heard this joke that you know the only people i know who are divorced are the people who go to couples therapy <laughs> 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 well i mean my issue with couples therapy is people always come too late okay yeah. um there are these things that i call critical incidents you know that big argument or that big event um and if that's five or seven years ago you you've gone too long i mean that that's just ingrained um, but if people come in earlier then there's so much you can do but it, it really is a 50 50 um and that's not the score of a successful versus unsuccessful therapist you know it, it's about timing and whether a couple is right and and helping them to make that decision. Um, so if you have a you, narcissist... You mentioned holding up mirrors. Yeah, yeah. Steve Cassell um, does biofeedback and allows the people to see their partner's heart rate variability and electrodermal activity and temperature. And in, in looking at that, it adds objectivity to the i'm you can deny the fact that you had a response 
But when your meters are going freaking crazy in the background, yeah. everybody can see you had a response. You can't, you know, you can be stone faced and deny it, but it, it's it, there's no reality to that. You can holding up the mirror yeah. sometimes gets beyond the surface and and gets uh, 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 quite a bit deeper. I want to make a really bad joke here, which is <laughs> if you, you have come a to the right place. No, a narcissist, non-narcissist couple. <laughs> the narcissist is going to be making the other person do all the work. <laughs> so that, <laughs> yeah. Me no, but in terms of the, uh, the the bio work, you know, a lot of us have been doing that for a while. It's just, it is so powerful, so powerful. Um, but you have to have a, a pair that really wants change. Um, you can't have a pairing where one person wants to be a victim, um, you know, see how bad it is, see how emotional I get or, or vice versa. Um, and it's, it's about the, the readiness of the couple and um, yeah. What is the intent of the couple? You know, yeah, when right. a couple comes in, do they just want to witness? Um, do they want, you know, somebody outside of the com a couple to say, yeah, your 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 husband is a piece of work, you know. Um, or do they do they actually want help in in decision making uh, and make effort to repair a couple? Yeah. Well, from the guy's point of view, the uh, the wife is looking for confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you guys are equally, if not more, guilty. Sorry, sorry. Jay, you got a thought? <laughs> uh, I've. Got too many actions <laughs> to have a thought about well, this. Everybody <laughs> knows the history here, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I have. Um, I'm experienced in this area. <laughs> I like to go on record that everybody should have a first couple wives. <laughs> Got to no, get I it mean, right. Yeah. Well, but one actually, I think this is a good topic, though, in terms of you know how do you find a, a good partner, a suitable partner, people who are very, very, very driven in careers um if you have a partner that does not have their own passion or isn't doesn't have grounding in something other than the relationship that will that will fail or you have i don't want to say a passive partner because that's an insult but you know a traditional caretaker uh where the career is on a pedestal um i think there's a lot to learn in the modern world uh, knowing who you are, knowing what makes you tick, and a potential partner also knowing. It's not having those conversations or not recognizing um, the core of a potential partner before you make a commitment. So all of my exes that are still alive are still friendly with me. Okay. Good. Good, good, good. Not, not mine. <laughs> uh dr marie swingle jay gunkelman since i'm the narcissist of the show <laughs> and this show is all about me i'd like to thank you as we're uh i think we have one more show coming up uh for the year it'll be after christmas we can't say christmas on the show can't we holiday uh, uh hanukkah kwanzaa uh Hopefully everybody, ha you know, ha isn't lonely, has somebody, you know, to talk to. If not, they can always email me and get don't, me. Don't forget Festivus. You know, the, 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 the festival for the rest of us. 
though. Airing of grievances. Winter solstice. How's that? <laughs> that we can't deny. That that that's that's, that's a good Canada problem. holiday. <laughs> we, we hope everybody ha- ha- has a great uh, great time off, and we got one more show before the twenty twenty four. All right, guys, take care. Take care. Bye, Renee. We're Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. 